Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard, the snow day edition of The Yard. It's been a wild day here in Starkville. You know, we knew this day was coming. We thought that we were going to have some snow. We had probably more than they originally forecast. And uh, there is still some snow on the ground, even though we've had some rain that has come through here in the afternoon hours that has melted some of it away. But uh, it's been a fun day for the children of Starkville. First day of classes at Mississippi State, and uh, we've got some new Bulldogs on campus. We'll talk some about that later in the show. But I uh, hope it's been a safe and fun day for you. Uh, if you've been out there and kind of dealing with this, uh, you know, winter weather that is uh, kind of foreign to us. And I know, listen, I get it. These northerners always laugh at us, but we don't know how to drive and how to act in the snow. Uh, and you're right, because we get it about once every five years. And uh, so we're going to enjoy it. You know, it's just one of those crazy things that uh, that happens down here. And it's uh, it's like a, uh, a state holiday in many respects. So don't laugh at us. But, you know, if you laugh, it's fine, too. We don't really care. But it's been a great day, and uh, a lot of people around here posting their uh, snow pictures on Facebook, and it is a bit of a novelty thing. It gets old after a while, but, uh, you know, I did the same thing. Saw some great scenes this morning, like a winter wonderland out here on the back 40, and so I took a picture and posted it on Facebook. Got out there and played with my dog some, and they, they enjoyed kind of running around. But we'll enjoy it while we have it. I know when I was a kid, I mean, we, we never saw snow, and I was, I, I was listening. I was the product of a very sheltered upbringing my mom uh, was one of those kind of people it felt like if you went outside with your socks on you'd catch a cold that sort of stuff and so uh, the one time that in my childhood that I remember when I lived on Branton Avenue there in Columbia we had a really nice snow day and my mom would not let me and my brother go out and play in it because she was afraid we would get sick so we didn't go and uh, it wasn't until much later in life that uh, we actually had some substantial snow come to Mississippi and I got out there and had a chance to make a sleep, man, and uh, and enjoyed it. But it is one of those things that uh, it brings out the kid in you when it's around, and uh, I, I enjoy it. I'm just hopeful everybody is safe. I know that in Starkville we had some wet roads, but no icy roads, thank goodness. So we had people on the roads around town. Most businesses are open. Uh, there are some other ones that are not. I, I guess people want to take the day off and go play in snow. But uh, be that as it may. Hope that you guys are safe and sound wherever you are today. Maybe you made some snow cream. Maybe you didn't. Maybe it's not a big deal to you. Maybe you you don't know what all the big fuss is about, and that's cool too. I won't tell you how to live or how to think. But, uh, yeah, it's been cool. It's been cool to see the video presentation that Mississippi State's done, a lot of things. Uh, you know, Davis Wade covered in snow and Duty Noble, and they show those videos out there. It's kind of a cool thing. And, again, you can make fun of us all you want. We're going to enjoy it while we have it. Speaking of having it, uh, you can kind of have it your way at Bulldog Burger Company. Longtime sponsors of this show, man. Love those guys. Love the burgers. Love the fries. I've told you guys before, it's almost like uh, one of these uh, social media challenges trying to complete the portions that are available to you at Bulldog Burger Company. Whether you get the hamburger and fries or the onion rings, which I'm a big fan of, or the side salad, it is difficult to complete the full meal. It is. That's how substantial the portions are. I don't recall ever doing that. Maybe you have. But you're going to get your money's worth when you go to Bulldog Burger Company. Now with two locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark Vegas and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Go by, have the spring rolls for your appetizer. It makes you and everybody around you better looking, and we all need more of that. Have a great restaurant-quality hamburger. Have the BLT salad. Have the sweet heat chicken sandwich. You can even get chicken wings there as an appetizer or as a meal. I encourage you to go find your own favorites. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. Okay, on the last show, we talked about Trey Walker, San Jose State wide receiver Trey Walker committing to Mississippi State. Now, shortly after the show aired, Trey announced on his personal Twitter account that he would not be attending Mississippi State due to an SEC rule that prohibits him from enrolling. So there have been countless 
countless questions about this. I have done my best to answer them on social media, but they continue to come. I've done my best on the message boards to explain. So allow me this platform to kind of explain what I have learned about this. There has been a rule on the books in the Southeastern Conference for years that a one-year transfer cannot transfer to an SEC member institution. Now, there is the exemption with the grad school transfer. So if you have a guy that is a graduate, he has one year of eligibility remaining, he can transfer to your program, use that year to go into graduate school or use his final year of eligibility as a graduate. That was great legislation. It really emphasizes the student part of the student-athlete moniker. And so for those of those those guys that want to say, hey, listen, I've already got my undergrad here, and I want to get a master's degree program in this, and they don't offer it at this school, so I'd like to be able to use my final years of eligibility or year and go somewhere where I can earn a master's degree in my chosen field. It's great legislation. I know it was very controversial to some people. I'm a proponent of the grad transfer option, even though it hasn't worked out exceptionally well for Mississippi State thus far. I think it is a good thing for a student athlete. So... If you are not a graduate and you only have one year of eligibility remaining, you cannot transfer to an SEC school. You can't. There are degree progress requirements that are in place by the NCAA that ensure that people are not just you know using their four years of eligibility to go play at a football factory. I mean, you have to actually take courses that are ap- applicable to a degree. You have to be working towards a college degree in order to complete your four years. And... In the situation with Trey Walker, and he is a great player, Trey is not a graduate. And so that precludes him from transferring to an SEC school, not just Mississippi State, but any school in the Southeastern Conference. I also understand that uh, you know, he's got some work to do to earn his degree to be a graduate so that it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take place in time for him to enroll here or anywhere else in the SEC. Now, again, there are some self-loathing Mississippi State fans that will come out and say, well, this is the most Mississippi State thing ever. Well, no, it's not because it applies to everybody. Now, if you want to say that our football staff or support staff or whoever did not do their due diligence, that is a fair criticism. It absolutely is. They should be apprised of the rules, they should be aware of the rules, and they should comply to the rules. And so if we know that this is not an available option for this player, then we should not have extended the offer. And so the blame in that situation lies with us. I don't blame Trey Walker. I mean, hey, if I'm a four-year guy out there and I'm like, hey, I've got a year of eligibility left and I've got an SEC school that wants to take me and they're going to throw the football around, then, yeah, I'm going to go take that. So the blame in that part of this situation lies with the Mississippi State coaching staff. It does. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and carry water for them or anything of that nature. It is an unfortunate situation. And sadly, it has kind of happened to us before. It's a little different deal. Uh, but you remember a couple of years ago that, uh, you know, we tried to sign a punter that had already played for four years. Now, there was a, you know, a waiver request made to get another year of eligibility back for him. But it was declined and he wasn't able to play. This situation is different, but it is one of those deals where in the end, it's kind of up to us. You know, we need to make sure that we're using our 25 grants to get players that can be here. Now, fortunately, in this situation, for like in Trey Walker's situation, he did not sign a national letter of intent. So that does not use up one of Mississippi State's grants uh, for 2021. But Trey Walker, not going to be a Bulldog. Wish him the best. It would have been great to get him, but I think Mississippi State has actually put themselves in a better situation and probably found a better player with more eligibility, and I want to speak at length about that now. So Makai Polk from Cal, originally from El Cerrito High School there in California, is now going to be a Bulldog. So we have one thing go wrong for us, and then we're prepared with, I wouldn't even call it a plan B, but we're ready for the next step. So the Trey Walker thing doesn't work out for us, and so we immediately go get a commitment from Makai Polk. He is now working through the admissions process and uh, plans to be here in Starkville prior to the drop-add date so that he can go through spring classes and spring uh, football here at Mississippi State. That's a plan. Now, 
Walker had the one year of eligibility remaining, so what makes things different for Makai Polk? Well, he has three years of eligibility remaining. He has not had the benefit of a redshirt year either, so he has four years to play three. So there is no SEC rule that precludes him from coming in. He played as a true freshman at Cal, and then they only played four games this year of football. He started two of those four and played in all four of those games. So you're getting a starting Power 5 receiver to transfer from Cal to Mississippi State that has three years of eligibility remaining. That is a win for Mississippi State, not just for this year, but for the next three years. If you haven't seen his film, you should. It's very impressive. 6'3", around 190 pounds, runs a tunnel screen, uh, you know, like a bat out of Hades. It's just a guy, when he gets in the open field, he runs away from people. Bit of a long strider. When he gets in the open field, it's a touchdown. We need some guys like him. Everybody wants to compare, well, what's he like? Who's he, who's he, you know, who's he come remind you of? Uh, I don't know that we have anybody on the roster like him. That's not to say he's better or worse than anybody. He's just different. Long-rangey guy that's, uh, you know, really a really, really good runner in the open field. A guy that can navigate through traffic. He's got great vision, sets up blocks well and gets on down the field. And listen, we like to run a lot of short passes in case you didn't notice that. We love the tunnel screen. We love the bubble. We like to get the ball out in space in the hands of our playmakers and hope they can make a guy miss and then get into the backfield in secondary. And that's kind of what he does. He also has a younger brother, Israel, that we've also offered. (laughs) It's going to be a big, big prospect down the road. But the question becomes now is, well, Steve, what about – is eligibility. Will he be able to play me with this year? Well, he is not going to be a grad. He's only got two years of college classroom experience under his belt. But there is going to be the, you know, the transfer rule. We've talked at length about this. There was scheduled to be a vote on the one-time transfer rule this week. The NCAA uh, has now voted to table that issue, and they will revisit a little bit later. They they see the uh, transfer issue and the NLI issue as com- as the same thing. They're linked together. And I agree with that because I think when you have the ability to have the one-time transfer and you also have the ability for kids to profit off their name, image, and likeness, it could become a recruiting issue. It could become a situation where the Blue Bloods, especially in major metropolitan cities, uh, have more opportunities to allow these guys to uh, guys and gals to benefit on their name, image, and likeness. And so I think there has to be some safeguards put in place. Listen, this one-time transfer rule thing is going pa- to pass. The Department of Justice, of course, is kind of uh, having some hearings at times on this uh, name, image, and likeness and marketability issue. And so once that's settled, a lot of this will move forward. But we expect that one-time transfer rule to be passed and to be in place that will allow Randy Charlton, a transfer from Central Florida, and Makai Polk to be able to play this year. In the event they don't, they will still have more eligibility to work with. But we do anticipate that taking place. I have spoke with several people uh, that are involved in that process that have much more knowledge about the inner workings of that than I do and you do. So I'm sharing that with you. Everybody is optimistic that the one-time transfer for football, basketball, and baseball will be in effect this year, this calendar year, which would open the door for these guys to be able to play uh, this fall. So you go ahead and get them done. You get them on your campus, and you begin teaching them your system, and then you know the ruling will come down a little bit later. And it might even be the summer. But the bottom line is you, you kind of make the move kind of expecting that to happen. And that's what really changes the things with, you know, Polk and and Walker. Let's say that Trey Walker had signed and everybody's thinking, okay, well, this rule is going to pass. It's going to be okay. Well, what if it doesn't pass? Then he's stuck here. Then then the only alternative then is to leave and go to an FCS school or something like that. And so you're really trying to protect the student athlete. It's not just about stockpiling talent. It's about doing what's right for the student athlete. And sometimes you got to save them for themselves. But I don't fault Trey Walker for accepting Mississippi State's offer, and I understand why Mississippi State couldn't sign him. And I think it worked out better for us that we were able to get a guy with multiple years of Power 5 experience under his belt and multiple years of eligibility to go. So it is a win-win for Mississippi State. I hate it for Trey Walker, but in the end, I think Mississippi State came out on the right side of this deal 
and is in much better shape with a much better player that has a, a lot, much longer time to play college football. So with Polk's addition to the class, that closes out your offensive grants for the 2021 class. We had talked on this show a couple times about the possibility of adding a grad transfer lineman or developmental lineman or a wide receiver if we could find the difference maker. Well, we found the difference maker at wide receiver. So that closes out offensive line recruiting. That closes out offensive recruiting across the board. We're finished on offense. Five wide receivers in the class, two quarterbacks, a running back, uh, five offensive linemen. I think we feel really good about our haul. I wouldn't throw any of those guys back. That's one of the things that I look when I think, begin to evaluate you know, recruiting class is how many of these guys are really reaches? How many of these guys do I really wonder or question if they can play in the Southeastern Conference on the Power Five level? And to be honest with you, I don't really have those concerns with our offensive recruiting. Now, are there some junior college guys that have to get up to speed very, very quickly on the offensive line? They absolutely do. They absolutely do. What's interesting, too, is you've got, you know, those five, three other offensive high school offensive linemen, and then four of those five guys are already on campus now. How cool is that? But we've done a good job. I mean, you, people say, well, you know, I don't know about this guy and that guy. Listen, you know, you don't go out and sign 26 guys and say, okay, well, this guy's, you know, Hey, this guy doesn't have a little bit of growing to do here. You don't get a finished product for any of those guys. But we had to address some deficiencies at the wide receiver position. We signed four four wide receivers in the last class and five in this one. That's nine guys. And you begin to think about, okay, you got Austin Williams coming back. You may get Javante Payton back. Uh, you know, so you, you're going to have 12, 13 guys out there running around. That's one of the things that Mike Leach wants. Mike Leach wants numbers at the wide receiver position. Listen, you guys saw the offensive line play this year, and it certainly got better the second half of the year. But we had to throw some numbers at that problem. You, you, you recall that the Auburn game got postponed because we didn't have enough scholarship offensive linemen to go play the game. We have to address that, not just from a number standpoint, but from a talent standpoint. So you, you make a big commitment. So you got, you got a 26-man class, five receivers, five offensive linemen. So 10 of your 26 allotted grants – are going to go to those two position groups, the two where you probably needed the largest talent upgrade. There's some other groups that have some depth concerns, and you'll address those in these final spots. But offensive recruiting from a strategic standpoint as far as addressing your needs, I believe we've done that. Of course, the quarterback room is going to look a little different next year with a couple of uh, veteran walk-ons and Jack Abraham and Trace Lovertich from South Alabama and then three scholarship quarterbacks are all going to be freshmen. But you've got three scholarship quarterbacks, and you've got a couple of experienced guys in there that uh, can kind of, you know, tote the mail if they have to and provide some leadership to the room. I'm, I'm excited to see how that dynamic looks. You guys know what we have coming back in Jaquavius Marks. You know what we have coming back in Dylan Johnson. Of course, Lee Witherspoon has left the program in the NCAA transfer portal. Wish him the best. Then you're bringing, you're bringing in Simeon Price. So you've got another young guy in there. And so you've addressed your needs. Now you move forward and you kind of finish up this thing defensively. And uh, we'll talk a little more about that uh, later in the show. But uh, there's none of those guys I would look at and say, ah, you know, I probably would have kept fishing a little bit longer. I think we're okay. I I really do. I I think that we have some guys, at the very least, that come in and compete and create competition at those positions and make everybody around them better. The, The number one way to motivate players is to bring in competition. It doesn't matter if it's in football or in baseball or basketball or business or whatever. You bring in more people, the cream will rise to the top. That's just how it works. That is how life works. And so I, I agree with what we've done. I'm excited about what we've done. And I think you know, getting Makai Polk in here uh, brings competition but also brings you know, a proven playmaker, a guy that kind of fits our scheme pretty well offensively. And I think everybody should be excited about this. The final piece of the offensive puzzle uh, now in place. Time for today's uh, top ten list. I know you guys are excited about that. I decided to do uh, John Cougar Mellencamp today. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. I tried the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we go up there, and just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, 
we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing, the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. I, I, I was just feeling somewhat nostalgic today, I guess. And, um, you know, I, I don't even, I, we might have even done John Cougar before. I don't think so. We might have. I don't think we have, but we might have. But I just was kind of in that mood today. But I'm pretty confident we haven't done this. But, uh, you know, we can always do it again. One of America's great singer-songwriters. And, you know, kind of a top 40 legend in many respects. And, and people forget, you know, it was John Cougar for a while. Then it was John Cougar Mellencamp. And he just dropped and went to John Mellencamp. But uh, had a lot of hits, you know, in the early to mid-'80s. And uh, late-'80s, he was an absolute superstar. And, uh, you know, did the farm age stuff. And, listen, as a guy that's from – an ag family, I can tell you that those kind of things matter to me. Even though I didn't grow up on a farm, my dad did, one of 13 kids. And so I, those kind of things mean something to me. They absolutely do. And I know I've talked about one of these songs on this show before. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again as I get a little bit closer to it. But, you know, John Cougar, in many ways, John Cougar Mellencamp was farm aid. It was farm rock. And I don't mean, you know, necessarily... A lot of party time stuff. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, is from the heartland and a guy that wrote about, you know, the American farming crisis and um, raised a lot of money to help American farmers. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the American farmer. They clothe us, they feed us, they do a thankless job. And so on behalf of a somewhat ungrateful nation, American farmers, let me tell you, thank you. Thank you for all you do for all of us. I have so much respect for our farming communities and our farming families for the sacrifices they make. And listen, a lot of people know about, oh, well, this guy's got 500 acres. You know what? There's a lot of people out there that aren't even close to that. They're doing all they can just to keep the family fed and, and uh, you know, get the crops uh, in from harvest and, uh, and get them turned in and try to get a check somewhere. So this is to you. So th- the ones that didn't make the list, I had three honorable mentions. One of them, th- this one, crumbling down, I really, really toyed with this one a long time. Really kind of agonized over this one. Crumbling Down didn't make top ten, but worthy of an honorable mention. Lonely All Night, like that tune a lot, just missed as well. And then I Need a Lover, and then the subtitle is It Don't It Won't Drive Me Crazy. Story of my life. All right, number, uh, number ten, 
One of the early hits of the John Cougar catalog, Ain't Even Done With The Night. And I, I don't know that this song gets enough respect. I mean, it is a great, great song. Ain't Even Done With The Night. Lyrically, it's so mature and adult, but it's one of those things, too, that uh, you know, the music behind this track is so great. And listen, John Cougar doesn't have a tremendous amount of range, but uh, he is a very soulful singer, and I think that really comes through on Ain't Even Done With The Night. Number nine, there was a big hit, Cherry Bomb. A lot of people liked it. They liked the uh, liked the fiddle in this one. It was weird at the time because, uh, you know, you hear this on the Top 40 radio, and at the time it, it didn't really match what else was happening in music, which I think really made it stand alone. Number eight, going back to uh, one of my favorite albums of all time, Scarecrow. It's R-O-C-K in the USA. You know, kind of a nostalgic song about, you know, all the great, you know, pioneers of, of rock music that uh, came before John Cougar. Number seven, great video, great tune, man. I love the opening riff on this one, but it's authority song. I thought authority and authority always wins. There were times that felt like a story of my life. You know, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, growing up, I guess, as a rebellious kid and that sort of stuff, and you have all these grand ideas, and often you're misunderstood, and it's like, I just want to bring change. I want to make things better. And it seemed like some of the people in power are always in power, and no matter what you do, no matter how, how well-conceived your ideas are, they're never going to let you speak. And um, I guess I've kind of lived with that most of my life, but uh, we've had some breakthroughs every now and again. Number six, Pink Houses. Again, that's about the uh, pharma communities. Little Pink Houses for You and Me. Great tune, man. Love it. You can hear the emotion in that song. Number five, one of the last great hits from John Cougar Mellencamp of the 80s, but it's uh, Paper and Fire. Maybe actually bled over in the early 90s. Paper and Fire. I I love the fiddle in this one. It's kind of the lead instrument. I mean, it is an absolute gem of a song. Number four, and one of my favorite songs, not just from John Cougar Mellencamp, but one of my favorite songs of all time, because I get known as, I get I'm getting chills even talking about it before I even give you the name, but it's uh, Rain on a Scarecrow, and uh, it it, remind, it makes me think of uh, of my family. I never got to know my dad's dad. He died before I was born, but uh, he was a very successful dairy farmer there in Jones County, Mississippi, and and by successful, what I mean is that uh, you know he was able to keep his family fed, and then you know, be able to keep the cattle fed and that sort of stuff. And, and he was a guy that didn't go broke. And there were so many other people out there that did. But, uh, you know, he was blessed with, uh, you know, a good upbringing himself and learned how to farm the land. And and uh, and he passed those things down to my dad and, uh, and his brothers. And, and they listen, they my dad used to say they'd get up in the morning, they'd go milk cows, they'd go to school, and they'd come back, they'd milk cows, and then they would – uh, you know, work in the dairy and work in the garden, and that's just what they did. That was the life they knew, and, and, and my dad wanted me to have a better life, and I don't say that to, to um, say anything negative about farming by any stretch of the imagination. My dad, didn't want, my dad did not want me to have to do that, and so my dad uh, went to Jones County Junior College for two years, and then he transferred to Mississippi State. You guys have heard me tell this story before, so I'm not going to belabor that point, but he went to work for the American farmer. He went to work right out of Mississippi State, went to work for Farmers Home Administration as a branch of the United States Department of Agriculture and uh, worked hard for the American farmer and the American taxpayer. And, and I'm very proud of the work my dad did uh, for Mississippi farmers. It, it's something that, uh, you know, that legacy didn't, didn't die with him. It's one of those things that uh, while I am not a part of that, it is something that I truly appreciate. And uh, that line on Rain and the Scarecrow when he says, I think about my grandpa, my neighbors and my name, Sometimes I feel like dying like that scarecrow in the rain. That, it gets to me. You know, there are some lines and some songs. It, it reminds me of the way my dad grew up. And so I have a tremendous amount of respect for that song. It's one of those songs that I can be on a road trip somewhere, and if that song comes on, I'm immediately riding down Augusta Road in Jones County, Mississippi, in my mind. Number three, it's a small town. I was born in a small town, probably dying in a small town. That's probably where they'll bury me, right? That's off the same album. Really a breakthrough album for John Cougar Mellencamp. Number two, going back to the John Cougar days, Hurt So Good. Great, great guitar on this one, and uh, that great rasp from John Cougar. It's one of those things, everybody's heard the song, and it's one of those things, maybe you don't dial up on your Apple Music every once in a while. 
Maybe you don't, but all of a sudden you kind of stumble across and you think, man, I should listen to this more often. Number one, and I don't know how it could be anything else, but it's Jack and Diane. Two American kids done the best they can. And everybody has lived this story a little bit, at least in their own minds. They thought they were or Jack and Diane. But, uh, you know, it's one of those songs for, of my childhood. You know, when you, you kind of grow up and you hear it, and the guitar is great, the lyrics are great. And uh, th- there's a line in the song that's kind of overshadowed at times because a lot of people think it's just kind of a song about teen angst. But and it's one of those things that it's a prayer for me. I hope I never reach this point. But it says, uh, life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. And I hope I never get to that point. But uh, that's what they say. They say that life goes on long after the thrill of living is gone. So that's the top ten list today. If you've got an idea for top ten, li- ten list, reach out let me know. I had somebody say, Steve, we need to do top ten wrestlers. And I'm probably going to do that on Wednesday. That's the plan anyway. And... Uh, so we won't have a Spotify music list for you then. And those are going exceptionally well. Gordon Griffin also was kind of dug into the archives of Boneyards and uh, shared some of those with me. I will continue to tweet those out to you guys. Uh, you know, These are ones that were before Roy began doing them. And so that is kind of caught on. And you guys are listening to them. And I've had so many people reach out and say, you know what, Steve? I've added so many songs to my library because of these top ten lists. And so I'm glad that you guys are getting benefit from it. I have people that message me every so often and say, hey, Steve, where can I find this list or that list? And sometimes I can find them and sometimes I can't. Uh, But that's the John Cougar Mellencamp list today. I hope you guys enjoy that. Being from an ag school, you probably should. All right, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show, man. So happy to have them along for the ride. Stand to man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. Everybody on board there will treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Go by and see them. They've got everything you need in Mississippi State merchandising right there in the store. And if they don't, chances are they can get it for you. Miss Kathy Brown, an incredible buyer. She keeps her ear to the ground, always looking for the next big thing. If you can't make it to town to go meet them in person, visit them on Al Gore's Internet at campusbookmart.net. That's campusbookmart.net. And use promo code BSR. And that'll save you shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And let's be honest, you're going to spend more than 50 bucks anyway, right? You're going to do that. So we'll save you a little cash for being a loyal our listener. Promo code BSR at campusbookmart.net. Go check it out. Order yourself some Mississippi State merchandise today. All right, let's talk some basketball. We can, we're starting to get a little excited about hoops, right? Talked on Friday's show about what a big basketball weekend it was for us. For different reasons. On the men's side, could Ben Howen's group handle pos- pardon me, pardon me, prosperity? And could the ladies you know, defend a home court against a much improved Ole Miss women's basketball squad? Well, we did both. Neither one of them were, uh, were easy, shall we say. You know, <laughs> Vanderbilt came out absolutely bombing threes. And that's one of the things... And I don't want to be too critical because some of you guys say, Steve, you're so down on men's basketball. That's really not true. I, I don't know that I'm down. I think I'm probably a little, a little more realistic at times. But um, I will say that this team has exceeded my expectations so far. Uh, I don't think there's any question. Uh, three and one now in the conference, and they've won eight of the last ten. How about that? Should be nine and one, right? We blew the Kentucky game, but we're not going to relive that. And that's the thing we talk about many times is that coaching wins or loses close ball games, right? And so if that adage is true when we lose, it also has to be true when we win. And so down the stretch there, Vanderbilt got hot. Scottie Pippen Jr. is a phenomenal player. But we made the plays we needed to to win the game. I don't know if you guys know this, but Iverson Molinar and D.J. Stewart currently third and fourth in the SEC in scoring. When's the last time we've had two guys scoring at the same clip those guys are? We might have the best backcourt in the conference. Molinar led the way on Saturday with 24 points. He also had four steals, pulled down eight rebounds, which is ridiculous for a point guard. Nine of 11 from the floor, six of nine from the free throw line, and we win the ballgame. Tolu Smith, listen – we, we, the guy had to sit out last year. We had to wait for him. But, man, what a great addition he has been. One of his better games on Saturday. Seven of eight from the floor, four of eight from the line. We've got a little bit of work to do there, but he has shown some improvement. Pulled down eight boards, stayed out of foul trouble, did have three, but okay there. 18 points, nearly a double-double. DJ pitches in 16, 
not a tremendous shooting day for him. But, uh, listen, this is a guy that finishes around the rim. Also had three assists in the ball game. How about that? Uh, so, you know, Jalen Johnson is a, a role player for us. And that's one of the things, too, you know, a lot of these guys who transfer in, you know, they're trying to take over. That doesn't appear to be the case for Jalen Johnson. I don't know that Jalen Johnson can, can create a shot for himself off the dribble. But he is a spot-up shooter. He is a guy that we can penetrate and dish out to. And he has that great long stroke from three and really makes people pay when they over-rotate. Over Jalen Johnson, 26 minutes of action, hits three of four from the three-point line, hits a free throw, pulls down a couple boards, and 10 points. And they were huge 10 points. And it seemed like every one of those threes that he made was one that was, you know, it was, it was a huge time when we needed to stop a run. The one that really stands out to me is we get off on a fast break, and I guess it was Iverson that threw the ball up there, long pass up there, or maybe in Devion Smith, and Jalen just spots up from the left wing and just bangs it home. You know, and we were on a run right there. But late in the ball game, they had a chance, you know, to make a play. They had a chance to make things happen. Lo and behold, it's a freshman, Cameron Matthews, that gets in there and gets a steal that ends the ball game. They get the ball into Scottie Pippen, and there's Cameron Matthews, closes out, punches the ball loose. At that point, the game is over. And so, again, if we're going to give Ben Howen the blame when we lose a close ball game, we got to give him credit when we win a close ball game. I thought Ben did a good job down the stretch. I really did. There were some times we, 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 we missed some things offensively. But in the timeouts, we drew some things up. We were prepared on that final inbounds to Vanderbilt. We were prepared to defend that, and we forced a turnover that ultimately wins the game. So uh, congratulations to Ben Howland and the Bulldogs. Iverson Molinar, your SEC Player of the Week. How cool is that? Good for him. Good to have him uh, playing at a high level. And, we, we, and listen, we can go back and talk about those first two games. We're a different team with Iverson Molinar. He is rapidly becoming a star in the SEC. We'd love to have those two games back against Clemson and Liberty for sure. And, and, and listen, like me, I know a lot of you were thinking, you know what, it's going to be rough. But it hadn't been. Bulldogs back in action this Wednesday against Texas A&M. That's an 8 o'clock tip. It'll also be broadcast on the SEC network. Be sure to tune in for that. Look forward to seeing what the, uh, the Bulldogs can do against A&M. How about that? We'll see. Now, I want to talk about this women's game a little bit more in detail here. So the first thing that I want to say right out of the gate, I think you guys know me well enough to know that I am not one that likes to give Ole Miss credit for anything. But listen, Coach Yo has those ladies playing well. They've recruited well. They went out and got a great grad transfer. Uh, they've got a, a five-star recruit. They have upped their talent level, and they're playing better. They're not at our level yet, but I'll be honest with you, I thought in the final seven minutes of that game yesterday – I thought they played harder than we did. I thought we coasted a little bit. And just as we talked about when the women lost to Kentucky, coaching loses you close ball games. And if that's true, then coaching wins you close ball games, and that's what happened. I thought down the stretch that uh, Nikki did a great job. We, we ran the clock a little bit better, and even if things got a little bit ragged there towards the end, I think some of that is, uh, you know, it's a young team. It's a young team learning how to close out close competitive ball games. They'll be better for the experience. The bottom line is that we won. Now, here's a couple of hot takes for you. <laughs> we're not as good as we were a year ago this time. We're not. We're probably more talented, but we're not quite as good. Ole Miss is much better than they were a year ago. I'm not trying to sit here and excuse the loss, but let's be all let's all be honest here. You know, Ole Miss understands that we are the measuring stick in this state. They came into the ball game with a 7-1 and one record. Their only loss had come in the SEC. They beat Auburn uh, earlier, their first SEC win in, in forever, it seems. They, I guess they went winless last year. And down the stretch in the fourth quarter, I thought they were the tougher, fresher team. I thought they wanted it a little bit more than we did. I thought that was apparent. You know, we're up, what, a dozen or so with seven minutes left. 
and then we get outscored the rest of the way. Ole Miss wins the fourth quarter 18-10. All the way through the ball game, State had been the better team, and it never looked like that we were ready to just run away from them, but it never felt like we were in trouble either. It's a 12-12 game after one, and that's because we got a little bit sloppy at the end of the period. Probably should have been up four points there then. Uh, we get a four-point lead at the half. We close out the half really strong and then come out, have Matharu in the starting lineup in the second half, and I thought she was the difference in the ballgame. And then that third quarter, we move, you know, we have an eight-point advantage, so now it's a 12-point lead. You know, hey, we're, we're ready to go. Let's just close this thing out. And we had to shoot free throws in the end to put this thing away. Looking at the numbers here real quickly, uh, Jessica Carter, a big game for her, and they did a good job kind of neutralizing her in that first half. They really did a good job kind of denying her the basketball. We ran some sets for her, and we, re- we had a lot more dribble penetration and dump-offs to her late. 19 points for her, nine rebounds. And uh, listen, a lot of times they were content to let us pitch it from outside, and those long rebounds are kind of kind of elude Jessica Carter. I thought Maya Taylor had a good ball game, especially late. She has 10 points, uh, three rebounds, eight assists in the ball game, uh, and four steals. She is really blossoming into the player we all hoped she would be. Rakia Jackson did not score in the first half, did have nine points. And down the stretch, I thought she was really big. She got that big three ball going. She is a volume shooter, and I thought at times she forced it a little bit, just three of 13 from the floor. But you know what? If we can win an SEC game with Rakia Jackson only scoring nine points, I think we're going to be okay. Sydney Cooks came in and, and, and had, a, had a couple of big jumpers late. She kind of rattled those things home. Uh, she has not been quite the offensive player, I think, that we had hoped thus far. But, again, this is about Nikki kind of figuring out what they can do. Uh, Jemiah Mingo Young was scoreless in the first half, scoreless in the second half, only played 11 minutes. And I think a lot of that had to do with Matharu. When Matharu got in a game and they were forcing us to shoot from outside, uh, you know, Matharu is our best three-point shooter. She ends up four of five from three and 16 points uh, on the night. And, and she, there's a toughness with her. And that's one of those things that I think this team probably needs the most is toughness. We have talent. We have a good coach. We just need a little toughness. That's one of the things. And listen, Nikki McCray-Pence is going to be compared to Vic Schaefer the entire time she's here. Vic coached toughness. Nikki was a tough player. And there is an adjustment kind of going on now. It is not a culture shift because, listen, Nikki's used to winning big. And, listen, Nikki was coached – you know, she coached – she played for Pat Summit and then coached with Don Staley. She understands toughness. It's just a matter of kind of figuring out when to push and who to push. But I think Aliyah Mataro really gives us some real toughness. Madison Hayes came in, hit a big basket for us on a baseline jumper there. 22 minutes for her. Listen, she's a very talented player. She has some toughness, too, and I thought she really picked it up on the defensive end. And that's where I thought we made the big run there in, late in the second quarter and in, for early in the third is on the defensive end. We really ratcheted up the pressure and really challenged the ball a lot and forced them into some bad shots. And uh, next thing you know, we've got a big lead, and uh, we had to kind of hang on late but give Ole Miss credit, give Coach Joe and her group uh, some credit for not completely just going away. Uh, Shakira Austin had 11 rebounds and just to six points. We did a pretty good job kind of keeping her off uh, off, off the board. But uh, Donetta Johnson, 25 points, big night for her, played in 37 minutes. And, uh, you know, late in the ball game, she had a chance to make some big shots, didn't make them. And some of that's got to do with Mississippi State's uh, defense. And so, and listen, I read the social media stuff like everybody else. And, and I think a lot of people, listen, you're looking at this through the lens of, what we've had. We won, We beat Ole Miss 14 straight times, okay? This is not the Mississippi State team that went to a national championship a couple of years ago. This is not the Ole Miss team that went winless last year. So we've kind of leveled off a little bit. We're still better than them. Of that, there's no question. But they came in and played hard, and you know it's their Super Bowl. Now, when we go up there and play, we're going to have to play better than we did yesterday in order to get a win. The ladies are back in action this Thursday at Humphrey Coliseum, 7 o'clock against Alabama. That'll be an SEC ESPN Network Plus game, so you have to use your app. They will be on the deuce this Sunday against Texas A&M, and Texas a and is still undefeated. Uh, that'll be big. This is a very, very big stretch for Mississippi State. Alabama's playing well. A&M is playing exceptionally well. And then we get South Carolina in here. South Carolina nearly lost to Kentucky yesterday. Uh, but this is the heart of the schedule. And you say, well, Steve, we're just kind of getting into SEC play. That's true. 
But uh, this next three games, in many respects, will probably define the regular season for Mississippi State. Some people say, hey, we're fourth, fifth best in the league. We go on a stretch here and win a couple ball games. You can change the perception of that and really be in contention, perhaps, for the SEC regular season championship. I believe this team is talented enough to contend for the SEC title. It's just going to be a matter of finding the right rotation, making some shots, and, and playing good defense. I am not down on Nikki McCray-Pinson like some of you are. I also understand that, that Ole Miss is getting better. It's not like they rolled in here at 1-7. and seven. Listen, and let's be honest, Ole Miss brought some really bad teams in here, and those games were still competitive until late. You know, they're going to come and play us because, listen, all they hear about is look at what Mississippi State has done. Well, we can do that too. Why can't we do that? We can do that as well. And you've got a coach in there that really preaches toughness. So it's going to be a war when we go up there. And who knows what kind of shape these two teams are going to be in by the time we get there. But we won a tough ball game against somebody that absolutely gave us their best shot. We didn't close it out as well as I had hoped. But when the game was on the line, we got the stop we had to make. And then uh, we stepped to the line late and made two free throws, put the game away. Uh, but that's that's our basketball report. And I, listen, again, I yeah, – and, and I had a discussion with my son about this. It, it, it's more nerve-wracking at times watching the girls play, the ladies play, excuse me. And, and the reason that is is I think we have such higher expectations for the ladies. you got three McDonald's All-Americans on that roster. We expect them to be a dominant team. And when we go out there and win by eight, nine, ten points, we don't feel like we're playing up to our potential. On the men's side – you know, we have been so used to not going to the NCAA tournament. All of a sudden, we win an SEC game, and everybody's like, hey, man, look at this. And so I think our expectations for the ladies at times are probably a little bit elevated. And probably, we, I think we've reached a point now, now that we're 3-1 and one in the SEC, maybe we need to expect more from the men because they're delivering. And it is fun to watch men's basketball again. It is. And as frustrating as that Kentucky loss was the other night, and it was miserable on both sides to watch the men and the ladies lose those ball games because you know how big those games are going to be late when we get ready to, to start seeding the tournament, right? But it's been fun to watch the men play. It's been fun to watch the men succeed because this is what we all wanted. I mean, there were years when we were lean in football and there were times we were really up and down in baseball and uh, Rick Stansberry and the Mississippi State men's basketball team of the early 2000s was the one thing that we could really be proud of. And we are, in many ways, kind of fair weather when it comes to men's basketball. But now, all of a sudden, you know, Paul Jones wrote a very interesting column yesterday about is this Ben Howen's best team? Emphasis on team. You know, we've had some great individuals come through, but this group has a very solid nucleus. They share the basketball very well. And I think that, you know, listen, this was expected to be a transition year. I still expect it will be. But I think we may come out the other side of this because there is so much parity in the SEC this year. And we might feel like, you know what? We might be a step ahead of where we expected to be and really have some big things in front of us next year. How does that sound? I remind you guys, too, if you want to move to Starville and come to ball games all the time, one of the best places to, to, to go is Portico. Portico is a brand-new residential complex right here on the outskirts of Starkville, just over a mile from campus, right off Garrett Road behind the Chrysler Jeep dealership. You've seen that place, right? So you know how close it is. Behind the Hilt Garden Inn, it's, I mean, it's, it's so easy to find. It's going to be easy to get in and out of with easy access to both Highway 82 and Highway 25. It's going to be a nice complex, but it's not going to be stacked on top of each other, okay? We're going to have 51 total houses in the development, 18 houses already right there in move-in condition. Uh, that phase of, of construction is pretty much uh, ended now. And then 33 more houses in the second phase. That will get started later this year. Houses to feed every size, family, or group up to 1,300 to 2,000 square feet. Uh, Two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. So, listen, if you've got a growing family, that's a great thing. Because having your own bathroom is a luxury that uh, when you have teenagers that maybe you don't fully appreciate at this point in your life. Portico includes a walking trail and a pavilion area. So if you want to get out and have some exercise or perhaps, uh, you know, have a little get-together or whatever, uh, you can get together outside and feel good about life and uh, get the, you know, have some, have some barbecue ribs on the grill and then walk off those calories out there on that walking track, right? 
Diamond Dog Brooks Bryan is one of the developers of this uh, this residential complex. His phone number is 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075. Listen, you've always dreamed of making Starkville your home, or perhaps you live in Starkville and you're thinking, you know what, we've outgrown this house, we need something new. Give the folks at Portico an opportunity to serve you. I don't know if you know this, Brooks robbed a home run against the University of Washington. He'll tell you all about that. And he's probably got some great stories about, you know, Richard Lee and Chris Lauderhouse and Brian Weiss and those guys that maybe maybe he can't talk about publicly. Maybe you ask him about that. Again, that's 601-416-8075. All right, let's talk a little recruiting before we get out the door. Ty Cooper, Louisville High School defensive end. I am told he has made his decision. There was talk that he would announce today on his mother's birthday. Well, he has tweeted out, the birthday greetings and uh, love note for his mother, but I'm told he is not going to announce today. I understand it's probably going to be something TV-related, local TV, uh, on signing day, February 3rd. So while his decision appears to be made, he's going to wait and announce it on National Signing Day. It's one of those things, too, with his recruitment, it has been, in many ways, it has kind of been, it's been a journey for all of us, Right. Because there was some talk early on that he was going to commit before the season. Then he elected to kind of put it off. And then there was talk about waiting uh, and signing, having a signing day announcement in December. Then he elected to forego that. Said he was going to wait and do it in February. That wasn't a big surprise because he had been talking about February for a couple months. And a lot of people have kind of misconstrued his recruiting timeline as disinterest. That's not the case. That's not the case at all. He's always been very interested in Mississippi State. Uh, Ole Miss has made things awfully interesting, and I'll be honest with you, if Deke Adams had not been there, I think he would have already committed and probably signed with State back in December. Well, Deke Adams not at Ole Miss anymore, and so I think that has kind of uh, made things a lot easier for him to kind of uh, make this decision. That just doesn't have the same relationship. Doesn't know who the defensive line coach is going to be there. And listen, that's part of the business, right? You want to know who's coaching you. You may have somebody else you know, in your inbox and sending you graphics and telling you great things about life, and that's all cool, but, but yeah, who's going to coach me? And as much as I like you, you're not going to be the guy out there coaching me. You're not going to be the guy setting the depth chart. You're not going to be the guy evaluating my talent and developing me as a player. It's an important part of things. Mississippi State has made Ty Cooper feel like a priority. They've had other options other times. They've elected to stay with Ty. I know many of our fans were like, let's just move on, let's just move on. It doesn't matter when you get them as long as you get them. Mississippi State – Without a doubt, the team to beat right now for Ty Cooper. Now, does something change with him late? I don't think so. I think this is a family decision. I think they've let Ty lead the, the way on this. But I, I feel confident that, that uh, Ty Cooper is very high on Mississippi State right now. What happens when all Miss hires a defensive line coach? And certainly they will between now and National Signing Day. It's going to be difficult to build a relationship in that short of time. But I also kind of get the sense that uh, the Ole Miss has kind of moved on. I, I really think Deke Adams was kind of the driving force behind Ole Miss's recruitment of Ty Cooper. I think because of the fact they had a long-term relationship, uh, Deke recruited Ty when he was here at Mississippi State. That carried over to Ole Miss. And so now a guy that's been recruiting you for two years no longer around. So it's going to be difficult for another guy to come in. And other people say, well, you know, Steve, there's, uh, you know, they've got some other kids from, uh, from, from Louisville up there. Well, two of those three guys are already in a transfer portal. So that's not the factor I think that many people thought it would be. That's all changed here in the last couple of weeks. You know, I mean, listen, we're all going to go through that too. You know, we went through it midseason. Ole Miss has kind of gone through some of that here in the postseason. We have too. There is going to be a settling of the rosters around the country and there are going to be a lot of kids in the portal that don't get an opportunity and what do you do then right what do you do late and all of a sudden when you get to february and you don't have anything and you're scrambling in the spring and try to find something for the summer maybe you end up going in fcs school i mean you know those were the things you kind of look at i mean this transfer portal thing it's so easy to do there are a lot of people to jump in the portal thinking okay well you know i had a great year at a g5 school uh, the Power Five schools are going to be knocking down the door. Well, a lot of the same people that are bypassing you now bypassed you out of high school. And so it's not what other people think that it is. I've even seen some guys, you know, from Delta State jump in the portal and, uh, you know, share their stuff with me on Twitter and say, I, I got four years of eligibility left. I'm in the portal. 
And it's like they have these feelings that because they're in the portal, that makes them more visible as a recruit. You know, you're still the same guy. Just because you're in the portal doesn't mean that you've improved your skill set. doesn't mean that you are a better prospect and you were coming out of high school. And so that's, that's something that people are kind of having to work through there. A lot of people are in that portal that probably are going to be left out in the cold. It is a privilege to play college athletics. It's not a right. So what's left for Mississippi State after this? Well, C.J. Johnson is a guy we've talked about a lot lately out of French Camp Academy. I expect him to be a Bulldog when it's all said and done. Also, I'm getting the sense that State is certain to take one defensive back from the transfer portal and then have one more, like a best available defensive spot. Could that be defensive line? Could it be linebacker? Could it be another DB? I'm kind of getting the sense, just like we saw with that one more offensive spot, and for a long time we all thought we were done on offense and they had one best available spot for offense. I get the sense of the four spots remaining that uh, one of those could be a best available. So let's say, for an example, we're not going to go sign two DBs out of the portal just to sign two. If there's not two that can play and help us become a better football team, then we're better off using that spot on another player. And that's what I anticipate will happen. So I wouldn't just say it's totally locked in. And now a week ago, that's kind of how I felt. I said, oh, yeah, they'll get CJ and two DBs from the portal and we'll be done. But just kind of doing some research, I get the feeling that, that, that they're not necessarily married to that idea. I think there's a real chance that we see another defensive spot available just as kind of a catch-all thing. Like, you know what, the best available defensive player that could get on the field next year and help us may not be another DB. It might be a linebacker. It might be, a, a, you know, an older rush end. You know, so we'll just kind of see how that plays out. Uh, we did get some newcomers on campus that began class today. Gabe Cavazos, Randy Charlton, transfer from Central Florida, Daniel Greek, Nick Jones, Deshaun Page, Albert Reese. Those six guys have already been announced by the university. We expect more announcements later in the week. Carson Williams, offensive line prospect from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, signed with State back in December. We expect him to be announced later in the week. I understand it's just a matter of getting his file processed. That's the things that happens. But he is here. He is in Starkville. He will be getting ready to go. Uh, the same thing for Makai Polk. Makai Polk will be here before the drop-ad date. So you heard six names today. That doesn't mean it's over. I and mean, a lot of times the university will hold those names and do them all at once. Uh, but it's been a little bit different, I guess, with Brenda Langlois in charge up there. Let's just go ahead and get them out there and kind of get it announced. And then there'll be some subsequent announcements that come after that. So in the end, look for a couple more announcements. Carson Williams, Makai Polk. The, the, listen, Makai Polk, this all happened so rapidly for him. He, he entered the portal, what, back on the 8th. He commits to Mississippi State on the 10th. And now he's got to move from California to Starkville. So that's not an easy undertaking. They're getting all that worked out. And then uh, he'll be here. Hopefully he'll be here as early as tomorrow. But we'll see how things progress. But uh, those are your newcomers. And all those guys, all eight of those guys will go through uh, spring practice and go through uh, off-season workouts. I think we'll feel good about them kind of moving forward. And, again, a lot of competition in that offensive line room. Four of the five offensive line signees already here. Cannon Boone, the lone exception. He will be a May grad and will be here in June. But Gabe Cavazos, Nick Jones, Carson Williams, and Albert Reese. Big Albert Reese. Goodness gracious, high school All-American, right? Those four are already here and preparing for their careers as Mississippi State Bulldog. And uh, we welcome them with some unseasonable winter weather. They all show up here, and then the very first day of class, they're having to walk to school in, in the snow. So we're sorry. We'll get back to our uh, humidity and that sort of stuff here before you know it. You'll be wishing you had some snow here in about six months, guys. Uh, it's probably not a big deal for Albert Reese, a guy, <laughs> and a Canadian native. Probably no big deal for him. But, uh, again, excited about what's happening. And you know, I remember when it was such a big deal, these early enrollment guys, when you would get one or two and everybody was so excited. And now here we are, you know, getting eight. Eight of our 26 guys are already going to be here. That's really cool. That's really cool. And all these guys that are expected to contribute and add competition uh, to the rooms, their respective rooms, they'll be here. They'll be able to go through all these workouts with Tyson Brown and get better and kind of get ready to go. 
And that's one of the things that I think this team needs more so than anything else is they need an offseason. They need to get in the weight room. They need to get in there with Tyson Brown. They need to work on the things that they can't work on during the season. And it's not always just about skill refinement. You know, sometimes, listen, once you get on the hamster wheel of the, of the schedule, you know, you, okay, so we, we're going to – it's game week, right? So we're going to do our regular practice, and then we're going to do our game plan implementation, and then we're going to sharpen that up over a couple of days. And the next thing you know, it's a walkthrough and it's a ball game, Right. Well, then we get done with the ball game, so we're right back in there on Sunday. We're getting treatment for our injuries from Saturday night, and then we're already watching our recap stuff and uh, back on the practice field Sunday. We get a day off on Monday, and then we're right back doing it again. So there are a lot of things that are maybe an issue for you, but because of the fact that you're always in game prep mode that you can't really work on except in a bye week. And so now when you have, you know, an off season. Now you have the ability to uh, get out there and just kind of work out, work on your nutrition. You begin to see your biggest gains. And that's one of the things that I've heard from you know, college football players throughout the years. They make their biggest gains from a strength standpoint, usually in these January, February months. This is when they really begin to see their gains because they're not having to go play a game. They're not having to be restricted in any of their activities because of the fact that they they're not risking injury more times than not. Just going to workouts, and the next thing you know, we get into spring practice, and we're practicing football again. And we get 15 practices. And so the guys will add some weight. They'll add some strength. They'll add some mass here in these next couple of months. And then they'll be right back into football mode. And before you know it, we're going to be getting ready for SEC media days. That's one of the things about having this elongated schedule. And I listen, I look forward to having a national championship game tonight. I'm going to enjoy that. And then I'm going to start missing college football immediately. I love college football. I know you guys do as well. And there are so many people out there that didn't think we would get to this point. And so tonight is not just a celebration for a national champion. It is a celebration for college football and everybody involved. And there were so many people that thought Greg Sankey was being stubborn. And I remember reading uh, you know, Ross Dellinger called him the stubborn six, the six conferences that would not relent. And then here we are. In the end, everybody ends up playing, right? It's incredible how it all came to be. And then so now other people that were against us playing and writing an article saying, well, was it worth it? Yeah, it was absolutely worth it. Do you remember how miserable we were in the early summer months, in the late spring? I mean, all we had was the hope of playing college and pro football. And listen, I was on the show many times saying there's too much money involved, they'll have to play. And we did. But it wasn't just about the money. Our national psyche needed a distraction from all these other things that went on. You know what? We made it. And not a single player ended up being hospitalized. Not a single player. And and I I read articles all throughout this. There wasn't a single instance of on-the-field transmission from player to player. And so we've shown that we can do this. We've shown that we can have a close contact sport like basketball and football and not have major issues. And if you recall, you know, there was a lot of people initially that said, we can't do this because of – the potential for, for heart issues. And that was a major concern. And then some of the people that were involved in that study came out and said, hey, you know, we're being misquoted here. And so tonight is not just about Alabama or Ohio State being kings of the hill. This is a celebration for all of us that love college football. That despite all of the issues we had this year, we still managed to get a season in and still able to crown a national champion. And that is something that Greg Sankey and the commissioner of the Pac-12 uh, and the Big 12 – Part more so the Big 12 and the ACC and the SEC, and then finally you get you know the Pac-12 on board late, and the Big 10 late. But the true heroes in all this are Greg Sankey, the commissioner of the ACC, and then ultimately the Big 12, because you recall they were the big swing vote. I don't want that to get lost in translation either. The Big 12, and a lot of people try to make it a political issue and said, well, you know, all these are you know. All these are people that you know that, that subscribe to one political ideology. I think in the end, I think. The Big 12 kind of saw it for what it was, and they saw that we all needed college football and that their fan bases and their student-athletes needed college football. I remember it was Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence who started the We Want to Play movement. Now Justin Fields will take the field tonight and play in the final game. And his conference is one of the last ones to come around. And so before we all, you know, kind of wax off to nostalgia here, let's, let's remember the sacrifices that so many people made and the risks that so many people took 
to bring us the game that we love. It's college football. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.